0: All right, um before we begin, uh I'm gonna tell this old story that I've heard before. Okay. so uh Confucius uh went to hell one time uh-huh. and he he was surprised to see that it was a sumptuous banquet there's there's all manner of good ass food, you know, you got uh general sos um uh chicken feet uh monkey brains uh, all, all that good chinese food stuff you know all manner uh-huh. of uh good ass eating um they got they got free flow oolong tea and all that shit so he was surprised to see that like you know the jade emperor told him he was in hell um mm-hmm. but he's uh the jade emperor told confucius like well you know um the thing is in hell everyone has to eat with five foot long chopsticks. So uh, try as they might, all the people in hell, they couldn't they couldn't feed themselves because their chopsticks are too big. Right. So now um, the jade emperor took uh, Confucius to heaven and he was surprised to see that it was the exact same scene as hell. Same banquet, uh, same food, and also the same rules, five foot long chopsticks. Mm-hmm. But in heaven... The people are happy because the secret is in heaven. They're using the five foot long chopsticks to feed each other. Ah, yeah. So ready player one, um, for some people it's hell for some people. It's heaven. (laughs) Uh (laughs) That's where I was going with that
1: story. Okay.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Um, and this is uh, what people have been waiting for. Um, this is... Um, I guess this is the big event uh, before Avengers comes out. Uh, Ready you. Player One so. is originally a book um, about a dystopian future where everyone basically lives in Reddit or uh, Second Life. And... Um, yeah, people stop... Uh, I guess it's kind of also like a voluntary Matrix.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: And, yeah, you you get to be uh, Goro from Mortal Kombat, if that's what you want. <laughs> um, I haven't seen a lot of real people in, in uh, the Oasis, but I'm sure, I guess, you can also be uh, Ronald Reagan, if you want, <laughs> or... <laughs> FDR, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a world where the imagination runs wild and Mm -hmm. it's a movie where for the first time in history, um, I walked out.
2: (laughs) No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No.
0: It's, um, it's a movie where it's incredibly insufferable where, I can't believe that Steven Spielberg directed this because for the f- entire hour that I was sitting through <laughs> this film, I just cannot believe that this was the same Steven Spielberg that brought us Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, who brought us uh, who brought us Indiana Jones, the, the three movies, uh, who brought us yes, uh, three Jurassic Park.
1: but you have to understand that this isn't prime steven spielberg right here it's not even good steven spielberg it's just steven spielberg coasting on his reputation yeah he really has not made a a good film in about like five or six years right now not since lincoln and you saw how rushed the uh, the last one was uh, the post yeah, you know why he did that? He did that to kill time while uh, Industrial Light and Magic were busy finishing with the effects.
0: Yeah, and I guess uh, he also made the post just to throw Meryl Streep a bone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, like yeah, because Meryl Streep has so much trouble getting work nowadays.
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, it's part of her. Um... Current um, current relevance uh, in the in the Trump era, and uh, also with uh, the Washington Post, uh, I guess uh, them picking up the "Democracy Dies in Darkness" tagline. Um, I guess so. They're trying to be cooler than they actually are, but
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I saw the the trailer for that. It's like, okay, is that really? Ne- well, one, I get why it was made. But two, it doesn't really look like a movie than it does a stage play.
0: Yeah. Um, and, I, I, and I also didn't watch A Bridge of Spies, so I can't really comment on that. But uh, yeah. A um,
1: uh, Bridge of Spies, uh, it's very uh, middle of the road.
0: Bridge of Spies, it's... more like Bridge of Sighs.
1: <laughs> hey, Bridge of Sighs is in uh in Venice, so uh... yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Bridge of Spies is just like you know very very meh. It takes what should be a very tense moment at the height of the Cold War, and just makes it very uh meh.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, um, we we both uh, generally like uh, Spielberg's filmography. I mean, of course, he made a lot of the things we watched as children. And then mm-hmm. there's Saving Private Ryan. There's Lincoln. Oh, yeah. There's um, Catch Me If You Can, which oh, yes. I, I didn't really like as much, but it's still a good movie.
1: <gasps> Blasphemy. That's an awesome film.
0: Yeah. But um, I cannot... For the life of me, pick out anything from Ready Player One that that uh, screams Steven Spielberg. Like, nothing about it, it says, like, this is a Spielberg movie.
1: Right. No, exactly. Because, yeah, there's nothing... He's known for creating very intense atmospheres in most of his work, which is sometimes placated by bits of levity here and there. I didn't notice that at all Yeah, in this film. It looked like it was directed by, uh, I don't know, somebody who used to be like his, uh, his second unit guy or like a former DP or something.
0: Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like J.J. Abrams on his worst day, but I think even J.J. Abrams (laughs) on his worst day can make something better than this movie.
1: (laughs) Exactly. No, I imagine this is what I imagine the filming was like Uh, Spielberg was just sitting in in the director's chair. He's got like a Mai Tai or a pina colada in his hand and one of his Oscars in his other hand. And he's just like, yeah, just go ahead. Go ahead
0: yeah um there's a there's an incredible moment of self suck in the movie where in the big in, in okay, we'll talk about the changes later on in the show, but okay. in, in the bi- in the first challenge for for the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, there's a scene where uh, the main characters have to do a race. And they're racing through Manhattan, and uh-huh. there is the T-rex from Spielberg's own fucking movie in this movie, <laughs> and it's just i I groaned out loud in the movie theater when when oh, I saw it' like the most egregious self suck in the in in like film since I don't know. I'm sure there's there's uh, other examples but
1: <laughs> I'm yeah. pretty sure we'll find more as we keep talking about it but not only is the T-Rex in that opening scene but King Kong is in it as well.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to some of the other stuff later but um
1: yeah. You have to understand when this book first came out I immediately fell in love with it. To the point where I actually read it five times. So I went into this movie with very, let's just say very, very high expectations. And I wasn't uh, that impressed with the first couple of trailers. But I figured, eh, what the hell, I'll go see it anyway. See how it does. I think I'm getting nightmares from it nowadays. Just,
0: oh, oh. Yeah. So, so I watched half of this movie first and then I went to a bookstore and picked up the book because, well, I, I also wanted to uh, find out how the book ended. Uh, but also because, I, you know, generally people like the book and a lot of people thought it was a great book, which I disagree with. It's a, it's a fine book. It's, it's not like the best thing I've read, but I get what it's doing and I get um, uh, why it's written that way. And I get like all the nostalgia stuff. It's fine. But Mm -hmm. something was definitely lost in translation. But it's weird because Ernest Cline actually co-wrote the screenplay to this film.
1: He did. That he did. So you would think because it's, you know, his own work that he'd be able to Adapted fairly well.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, like, Wade Watts is not the most um, charismatic person, but <laughs> his character in the book uh, goes through a bit more growth than he does in the film. Like, he starts off literally as a loser online. Like, he couldn't go to any of the other planets in the oasis. I literally could only go to school, and that's it. And yeah. Then after he finds the key, he becomes a celebrity, and he kind of deals with that.
2: Uh-huh.
0: But in the film, he already starts off like pretty reasonably, uh, pretty reasonably Popular-ish. advanced. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's already friends with more than one person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and while they take the time in the book to establish, you know, the friendship that he develops not only with h but but eventually uh artemis it's yeah. like you know hey isn't that yeah it is hi how you doing nice to meet you i'm gonna act very nerdy and awkward towards you right now yeah because of course that's who my character is oh and let me just say one other thing uh in the book uh wade watts described you know he's very uh very like average you know he's he's an 18 year old kid but you know he's very average you know he's got got pimples on his face you know he's a little bit chubby and his avatar is meant to reflect someone who he eventually wants to be or who he fantasizes himself as um yeah in the movie the dude who plays wade watts already looks like a like a freaking model or something so it's not (laughs) it's already got something going against it
0: yeah um, Ty Sheridan already looks like um, the Avatar, and and the Avatar yeah. looks like uh, <laughs> it's like someone that walked off stage from like a Korean boy band show.
1: <laughs> so, something, something like that. Like he went to a like he went to a BTS concert. Yeah. <laughs> <and> somehow got <laughs> somehow got roped uh, onto the stage, and he walked off a star. No, I was thinking that you know. He was gonna be the uh the avatar and they get yeah. some other actor to play, you know, the regular Wade Watts, but apparently not.
0: Yeah. Um also among the other changes in the book, um H I think uh H's avatar is supposed to be more or less a person, right? Like just like a tall male, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so why did they go with like a, like a steampunk orc cop?
1: I don't know. Maybe, maybe Zach Penn saw bright, like right before it was released and decided to make one final change to the script.
0: Yeah. And, um, Artemis too. Um, she's literally a a pixie.
1: Um, (laughs) literally the embodiment of a manic pixie dream girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that, but they don't even, when this, when looking at H's character, it's like, they like use a voice for H that sounds like dudes in the witness protection program.
0: Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) <laughs> he's it's a there's, there's a really weird voice modulator I, I, I guess that implies that the oasis is shittier than it actually is because <laughs> you figure by 2045 um like software would be good enough that you can disguise someone's voice without it, it, it's good, good to sound like this or it's talking <laughs> underwater but you're I, I guess the Russian <laughs> mom will, will be killing you at any moment.
1: It's like, wow, that is so, so not convincing at all.
0: Yeah. Also, like, how do you feel about the
1: CGI? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Because it's supposed to take place in 2045, but it looks like something from like the second Kingdom Hearts movie or game. <laughs>
0: yeah, which, come so, out, which came out uh, 13 years ago, I believe.
1: Yes. Um, oh, wait a minute. So, wait, sorry. I guess the Oasis is trying to be like Minecraft where it's set in the present day, but with graphics from 15 years ago.
0: I guess so. Um, yeah, I guess this is not really a, a Ready Player One specific problem, but I just, like, what the hell is wrong with CGI nowadays where it just looks like shit half the time?
1: I don't know. I really don't know. That's why so many people didn't see Justice League. Well, one of the reasons they didn't see Justice League. Yeah, it's like,
0: I have no, like even something like uh, um murder at the orient express like some of the shots over uh, jerusalem and istanbul it's just it mm-hmm. just looks so odd yeah it's I, like it's like it would be worse it, like it, it it i have no idea how they made C- cgi look worse than miniatures
1: i don't know i don't know and i'm kind of surprised because doesn't spielberg Favor, like, uh, practical uh, effects over a CGI. But yeah. well, then again, then again, look at Jurassic Park. It still looks amazing, even though it's 25 years later.
0: Yeah. Um, all the big-ass, like, brontosauruses uh, and, like, the... <clears throat> let's say, like, ostrich-looking... uh yeah uh Dinosaur. And the raptors, too. Like, yeah, like, the raptors in the close-up scenes, they're practical effects but like in the chasing scenes those are those are those are computers and like these are with like 1993 computers yeah 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 some of the like (laughs) some of the characters in the movie look worse than like the first toy story
1: i know it's well it's like when you have characters like uh like you like i saw goro in there I saw characters from Overwatch.
0: Yeah,
1: in there. I Duke saw the Nukem. Iron Duke <laughs> Nukem is, is in there. I saw the Iron Giant. Yeah. in there. Um, but yeah, it's like it still looks like shit. I, I know we shouldn't shit on Industrial Light and Magic because they brought us Star Wars and several other things. Yeah, but uh, it looks like shit. I'm sorry.
0: It does. <laughs> And it's, it's frustrating because this is a director who's worked often with, um, this special effects studio and yeah. it, there's, it just seems that there's odd miscommunication happening in post
1: <laughs> between uh Warner brothers and uh, ILM.
0: Yeah, man. it's. Or- I, I just want to see like what the memos were like. It's like.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'd love to i love to see that as well. But Warner Brothers has got already enough on their plates. They know that the DCEU is a gigantic shit show right now that there's no way they can save.
0: Yeah. Even if like Aquaman turns out to be good later this year, it's just Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean Ah uh, God. We'll see. I mean, does it look appealing? Yes. Am I going to see it? I don't know. Because DC has... has, They hurt me. Yeah. (laughs) They just... They hurt me. (laughs) DC, why? You're... mm, I know you're trying to copy Marvel, but don't make it look like you're trying to copy Marvel.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean... With with Justice League, the problem was, uh, I mean, like, Zack Snyder had an unfortunate uh, thing happen with his family at the time, and it's understandable why he right. quit, but, like, they brought in Joss Whedon, who has a completely different style from Zack Snyder, so uh-huh. it's just immediate, uh, the contrast between the two was, uh, did not help matters. Uh-huh. But yeah. Um, so I guess like the basic gist of the story for Ready Player One. Um takes place in twenty forty five. Uh, most of the world has gone to shit and um people have stopped trying to solve problems in the real world, but thankfully there's um there's a voluntary matrix where mm. you can you can climb Mount Everest with Batman or <laughs> play fucking unicorn polo i think that was in the intro um, yeah it was or um i guess it's implied but not shown like i guess you can fuck laura croft or tracer from uh, overwatch because there's like the sex planet but um wade doesn't go to that <laughs> right um but yeah so there there's a there's this massive uh lotus eater machine which is hooked up to the brain of uh someone who's autistic about the 1980s Uh uh-huh and yeah basically everything in the movie is either about video games or 80s pop culture which you know it's fine you know you're gen x -er, that's what you grew up in and (laughs) and it is a kind of a fun movie where you you try to get all the references like you try to spot all the winks uh at the audience you try to spot all the oh okay yeah that's from uh that's from Beastmaster, like yeah <laughs> or, or like that's uh that's cobra yeah it's like it,
1: yes um um oh yeah that's uh yes he's driving in a delorean okay mm-hmm.
0: which again it it's fine you know it's it's like fan fiction or like if you want to see it it's like a it's like a love letter to the '80s. It's it's uh, it it's like a guy jizzing about like the stuff he likes, and that's fine, you know. Uh-huh. Like I don't, I don't disagree with like what Ertus Klein was doing in the book. I mean, that's fine. Um, he's writing what he knows, and he, clearly, he knows a lot about '80s pop culture. But the movie, like tries to fit as much of that like window dressing as possible and of course. slaps it on top of the most generic storyline ever written.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yes. Um Basically it's like, it is like something out of an eighties action movie. You know, there's a quest for, for something in this case, you know, the creator of the Oasis, he dies and he left a, uh, left a literal Easter egg inside the uh, Oasis for everybody to find. And whoever found it gets half a billion dollars and the entire. And
0: and the controlling share of like the company and, that runs Oasis, basically.
1: Basically, you become the overlord of the Internet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So th- the bad guys in this movie is uh, is director Krennic from Rogue One. Uh, literally the same That's character right. by the way <laughs> it
1: is i think it actually is. just take away the accent you have the same guy
0: yeah uh yeah this time ben mendelson is not affecting a british accent now he's now he's like doing like the the weird australian thing where like they do an american accent but it's like a really like classical film american accent and it's just like you can obviously tell this person is not american
1: well that's cuz he is Australian. Yeah.
0: It's uh Yeah. I, I actually I'm not sure if that was a deliberate choice because he kind of sounds like like an 80s like bad boss or like 80s school principal kind of.
1: No, he sounds like an 80s D-list villain.
0: That's true, yeah. <laughs> but it literally yeah.
1: sounds like one of those. They literally <laughs> tried to make the story as 80s as possible right down to the uh, uh generic uh uncharismatic protagonist and the generic uh bland villain
0: yeah um so director krennic runs uh it's like a, it's it, i guess it's a gold farm uh that tries to brute force its way through the easter egg he hires a bunch of people to do his work for him or if he doesn't hire them he literally buys people's debts and forces them to play the game so it's a it's an interesting bit of social commentary that i'll expand upon later but yeah um yeah um just imagine if google or amazon it's like they're competing against uh (laughs) I don't know. What would be the parallel to, um, holiday and, uh, gregarious games?
1: It would probably be, um, uh, Amazon and Facebook. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I guess, um, Facebook is that kind of like ubiquitous platform where most people spend their time now.
2: Uh huh. Um,
0: um, yeah. So basically, everyone else who's not either under the employ or under the, the debt slavery of uh, <laughs> Ben Mendelssohn, uh, okay. they're trying to win the, the, they're trying to find the Easter egg to prevent um, the Oasis from being monetized and falling into the hands of Amazon, Google, basically.
1: yeah and this one they're called uh ioi industries
0: yeah innovative online industries which is the most dot-com sounding name i've ever heard
1: (laughs) it probably was a a name back in the late 90s before the dot-com bubble burst
0: yeah (laughs) yeah um so uh i mean we've said uh wade watts is uh our um Milk toast, uh, main character, uh, our white bread as can be main character. He he lives in the slums outside of Cleveland, basically. Which I Columbus. think that's uh, uh oh yeah Columbus uh whatever man this it's a city. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm pretty sure there are people people from Cleveland would disagree with yeah. you. you- <laughs> you probably get an army of people outside of your, uh, your house right now wearing nothing but Brown shirts. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess, uh, people from the Ohio state university would also
1: disagree. Uh, oh yeah, the Ohio state
0: university. <laughs> um, yeah, he lives in the slums outside of Columbus, which. It kind of already exists in the third world. Uh, but, uh, I'm sure it's coming to the U.S. at some point where people stack up trailers on top of one another and uh-huh. uh, they live in the middle of a junkyard, basically. <laughs> and,
1: yeah, it's called The Stacks.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, Wade has like a shitty family situation and he spends all of his time in the Oasis. So mm-hmm. I guess what the book does... Better than the movie is that, like, like we mentioned, Wade really starts at zero at the beginning of the book. Like, he <laughs> yeah. barely has anything going for him besides going to virtual school because he somehow won a scholarship to virtual school. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's pretty much his time online is either going to school, learning whatever the curriculum is in 2045. And uh, obsess over uh, Halliday's journal or the Halliday's pop culture intake. Mm-hmm. But again, in the movie, he's he's gone on quests. He, he can already go to like planets and he ha- already has his own ship. So, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, he's not as he, he's not learning as much as he does in the book.
1: No, he really isn't. And there, this movie has probably the least amount of character development I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> I guess both the book and the movie start where um, nobody's won the, uh, the the first clue yet, uh, the, the first key to the kingdom, so to speak. Uh, right. But in the book, they really start at zero where like nobody's even solved the riddle yet. Well, I guess one person has, but, uh, yeah, like no one's even discovered the challenge, but in the film, like it, like th- they said, like someone discovered the challenge, but it's just no one's ever beaten it.
1: Right. No, it's just, they're literally putting you, uh, in media race and uh, just trying to say, like, you know, all right, we're putting you in the middle of the action, trying to figure everything out from there, which is why I guess they had a voiceover narration.
0: Yeah. um, I feel like voiceover narration is a sign. It should pop off, like, red flags in your head.
1: Yeah. Always.
0: Uh, Unless you're watching a documentary, I suppose.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean documentaries they get a pass but mm-hmm. everything else uh, what's that line uh, in an adaptation uh, it's like you know god help you if you use voiceover narration yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god and i already knew like from the beginning it's like oh god this is gonna tank isn't it
0: yeah although i guess well we'll discuss this in um in in a further part of this episode. But people seem to be this responding to this movie in a way neither of us expected. But right. anyway, uh, so among the other changes that they did from the book is that instead of, uh, like, the challenges focusing on um, the video games that Halliday played, it seems that, mm-hmm. like the challenges are now these filmic set pieces, which I guess I understand because they're trying to make a movie. But again, it's, it's an odd, uh, it's an odd, uh, choice. Uh, I don't want to say artistically because nothing about this movie is artistic, but <laughs> it, like, it's an odd, like choice to do where it, it, there is like a video game element, but it's just, I like what what about this like big fucking race actually speaks to eighties nostalgia?
1: It doesn't. It doesn't, like not even in the slightest. The, but that's the thing. You know, it they knew that they had the big task ahead of them. They knew they couldn't put everything from the book into the movie, otherwise it would have cost them like half a billion dollars. But still, it's like, come on! It's like you're compromising artistic, artistic-ish, integrity for the sake of just putting a giant race through New York City.
0: Yeah, because because you, you want fucking King Kong in it, or um, or the T Rex, yeah, or, or you just like see- the streets of New York like blowing up and shit.
1: Yeah, it's like what the fuck! It's like. It's like you're not even taking into account what made the book so popular to begin with, or what was essentially the crux of the book's narrative, which was nostalgic video games. Because in the book, the very first uh, task that he has to do is play a game of Joust, one of the very first, uh, one of the very first popular video games. That was the that was the big thing. And now they don't even do that. And another task had him playing Pac-Man for a little while. But it's like – I don't know. It's like – and the the author was there. He was there. Even he had to like – at some point had to like, you know, turn his head and say like, you know, "Wait, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This never happened in my book. Why are you guys doing this?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, um, the the other aspect of the movie, I suppose, is that like, I, like uh, because films as a visual medium, one of the things that it excels, I suppose, uh, it with respect to the book, is that instead of writing out all of the references that... Or Ernest Klein takes up like entire paragraphs or entire pages of. It's much easier to fit like far more like winks on the screen. So yeah I guess that's where all like the all the all like the tidbitty stuff kind of went, but yeah, like the narrative change is confusing because like, yeah, the character no. experiences like zero growth throughout the movie.
1: None. None whatsoever. It What it literally boils down to is every five minutes looking on the screen and just going like, oh, hey, look at that. Oh, hey, I know that thing. Yeah. I know that thing. I know that thing. Oh, ha, ha, ha. There's a Rubik's Cube named after Robert Zemeckis. How funny. Yeah. Um, Oh, look, there's the holy hand grenade from Monty Python, which I'll admit was kind of cool. But still, it's like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean you know it's like it on on one level like I understand like it's it's nice to see all these things on screen and like it's a fun game to like okay it's that 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 but okay so the simpsons is another piece of media that that is heavily referential but what the simpsons at least from season 2 to like season 6 or 7 did was they had a good ass script written around all these references yes there's there's something else like going on that keeps the viewers engaged because otherwise like what you have is family guy
1: yeah and family guy for the past like god i don't know how many years has been entirely devoid of humor and Seth MacFarlane saying, like, you know, hey, remember this obscure thing from 20, 30 years ago? Well, I'm going to put it in my show, see if you get the reference.
0: Yeah, like, I remember, like, the first time I watched Family Guy was, I think it was Adult Swim or something. And uh, uh, Peter Griffin just, like, broke out into the song Poopy, And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, that's a thing what's it for
1: (laughs) what purpose does it serve
0: yeah or like uh, there's there was another episode that i watched where it's like at the end it was just like ladies and gentlemen conway twitty and like cuts to concert footage of conway twitty and it's like conway twitty okay (laughs) yeah i know conway twitty exists (laughs) but what's it for right like some like there's dialogue that in the movie that is incredibly grating, which is like after that first race and um, uh, Wade finally has like a real conversation with Artemis in uh, mm-hmm. H's garage. Uh, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, he's, they're both rattling off references and it's like, okay, like I, <laughs> I, you're smart. I like, you know, all this shit, but what's it for?
1: And also, I kind of felt like the dialogue could have been a little bit better if he just turned into uh, Abed from Community and yeah. just, looked, <laughs> just looked around the room. And just was just like, you know, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what it. That's what that that whole conversation was. It was just like you know, pop culture, pop culture, pop, pop culture. Cool, 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 cool.
0: Yeah, and it's like. Obviously, we don't have a problem with pop culture. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a podcast about movies. But, like, right. again,
1: <laughs> like,
0: this is not how you make a fucking movie.
1: No. It's like. No, this is how you take uh, elements of other movies and try and pass it off as your own. You're basically, congratulations, Ready Player One. you become the uh, avatar of pop culture.
0: Yeah. And that's also like a big, dumb, spectacular movie that uh, somehow manages to (laughs) be received more positively than it ought to be.
1: Yeah. No, I agree, because while the visuals are definitely stunning and the reason so many people bought those uh, insanely expensive uh, flat-screen TVs, you borrowed elements from, like, five other films, including Fern Gully, of all things.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I should probably watch Fern Gully again. Um, yeah. That's a good-ass movie.
1: It was a good movie. <laughs> it's surprising. Very surprising for its time. It was very ahead of its time. Yeah. It was on the, um, the environmental uh, movie kick before it became a thing.
0: Yeah. It's got Robin Williams and it. It's got uh, Tim Curry as Pollution.
1: Oh yeah, he sings that classic song called Toxic Love. Yeah.
0: I th- I think I used to have that soundtrack and was, when that song came on it just I you know, it's <laughs> it's basically like uh Tim Curry singing seductively.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You'll get my Toxic toxic love.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, dude. I want to be seduced by Dr. Frank and Furter. That's exactly what I want.
1: (laughs) But of course, who wouldn't? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: um, Yeah. Also, like, where it also differs from The Simpsons and... um, I guess like parody movies is that it's not really saying anything about the pop culture. Right. Like ready player one, like knows that all of this stuff exists, like knows that it's part of like this greater, um, era where like, you know, like, um, certain tropes and certain trends in pop culture were relevant, but like, it doesn't really like engage with pop culture. It just rattles off a list of references and like puts in like winks to other things. And it's just like, it like, okay, I guess it... like, you, you know, the thing with the, um, the thing with the story in the book is that it does take into account, like the history of video gaming and like, um, why Easter eggs like are relevant and exist? It's like uh-huh. originally when video games were made, like they didn't let individuals write their own name, like so. Like none of the people who actually work on the di- on the game were credited. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I've walked out of the movie at this point, but I I think it's the same thing, uh, right? As a book where he eventually plays adventure. Uh
2: huh.
0: Yeah. And he has to find the Easter egg, which is the first ever Easter egg in a video game. And that was someone's name. And that someone was who made um, the video game. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's interesting because it, you, can, you can kind of think of it as like an artist's signature. Like this is like the acknowledgement that video games weren't just a product. It's just like someone actually made this thing and like someone put their time and effort into it and someone deserves to be recognized for it.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. And it's it's a larger
0: issue that like is still relevant in video gaming with like how developers are treated by video game companies. And I guess we could all rattle off like the shitty practices of companies like EA, Ubisoft, or Activision, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, they don't, like, I guess uh, the book does reference some of the, like, classic uh, video game developers, but, like, the movie doesn't really go out of its way to, like, talk about, like, someone like Nolan Bushnell, who invented, like, video gaming as we know it, like, doesn't really talk about someone like Shigeru Miyamoto, who invented everything Nintendo has, (laughs) or even, like... um, Hideo Kojima, or, or like, um, who's the guy that made Halo? Halo. It's, like, uh, Chris... Oh, um... I think it's uh, that... Uh, fuck. Or, 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 like, someone from Blizzard, like Mike Morhaime or something. Like, they don't talk yeah. about the people who made video games. They talk about these products as the be-all and end-all of existence. And it's, and it's really weird, because even when like we in this podcast talk about movies, like we don't just talk about the movie. We talk about the people who go and make this stuff because absolutely, like things don't exist in a vacuum.
1: No, they don't. They don't. Nothing is ever, you know, the end end all or be all of anything. There's definitely, there's a lot of hidden layers surrounding it. A lot of stories that need to be told. And I guess what they were trying to do, is try and condense, like the James how try, try and condense so Nolan Bushnell and Shigeru Miyamoto and Keiji Inafune and Hideo Kojima and uh, all those guys into like the James Halliday character, but it didn't really come off as that. It came off as like, you know, oh, this one guy who was obsessed with video games who used to play him all the time up in his room created like this one way for the entire world to become one giant video game. Yeah. But it really, it kind of takes a dump on, on fandom in general. i trying to figure out why exactly, but I don't know. Maybe this is where the world's heading in the next like 20 or 30 years, where we're all just going to be like hooked into our, computers we're not going to really find time to appreciate the art and beauty of you know art books theater all that everything surrounding us like a fahrenheit 451 kind of situation that the movie kind of kind of says we're already there
0: yeah and i think like going back to to like that story about confucius um it is a kind of interesting litmus test uh, for the viewer because what you like get out of this movie probably says a lot about what you think about society as we're living it which has mm-hmm. a lot of parallels to like the ready player one universe where it's existing on this kind of consumed nostalgia and borrowed nostalgia because if you think about it most of the stuff that um well, definitely in the Ready Player One verse, um, none of the people were alive who were playing the game, except m- like maybe like Director Krennic. Uh, <laughs> none of the people who were actually playing the game were alive when any of these pop culture stuff that they're referencing were c- created.
1: Yeah, exactly. But as the years go on, we become obsessed with everything related to the past and we use the eighties, the eighties in particular is like, uh, the perfect, uh, I guess like the perfect example of what, of how things used to be, because if you look at the eighties between the music and the clothes and the political and economic ter- political, economic and social turmoil, At the time it was definitely a period that a lot of people remember
0: yeah um i guess you know um what's kind of unspoken about like the the desire to return to the 80s um, not just in ready player one but like in pop culture and mass culture broadly is that there's kind of like this unspoken desire to return to the comfort of a 1980 where America was riding high on uh, like basically riding high on cocaine, but also on like, (laughs) like this incredible, like capitalist dream that seems unstoppable. And like Mm -hmm. there was a clear delineation between the limits of, what america and like the so-called free world was about and Mm -hmm. uh communism so like there's a comfort in 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 this sense of there is something in opposition to our ideology which now in 2018 uh we're trying to revive russia as the great (laughs) satan And um, we're still getting involved in the Middle East, just like when uh, Reagan incredibly funded Iran and Iraq at the same time during the Iran-Iraq war.
1: He also uh, secretly funded uh, bin Laden as well.
0: Yeah, he trained, he gave money for uh, training to the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, which. That's right. I think i've mentioned this before but i'll say it again if you can if you can manage try to track down an old an older copy of rambo three you can, it may be on youtube maybe uh on a torrent somewhere because i don't think the dvd or blu-ray copies will have it but you can either watch it to the end or you can just skip to the end but watch the credits very closely because in the movie, it says that this movie, Rambo 3, is dedicated to the gallant
1: Mujahideen
0: of Afghanistan.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, to the brave Mujahideen fighters.
0: Yeah. Which was then... Uh, after the shit blew up in people's face, because that's the thing that happens when you mess in other people's business, in the geopolitical right. sense. The end, like dedication was it was just changed to like, oh, this is now dedicated to just like people in Afghanistan in general, not not uh-huh. the not the people who we gave material and uh, like material and intelligence support to.
1: <laughs> oh my god yeah it seems like we want to create this um, we want to go back to this very you know idyllic 1980s verse where everyone is literally riding high on cocaine people were getting rich on wall street and um, and you know people were wearing you know day glow colors with the jerry curls and rat tails and and the mullet dude And the mullet, though, the sweet, sweet mullets. Uh, But, yeah, but there are some elements that uh, people don't necessarily know about. you got the rise of AIDS. You have the the quote-unquote glorious presidency of one Ronald Reagan. You have uh, the Iran-Contra affair. You have the Challenger explosion. Just to name a few. Yeah. And you have,
0: like you know the the collapse of the soviet union and like um also like all manner of uh really <laughs> incredibly like dystopian shit happening in latin america
1: uh-huh oh that's right between pretty much every single country but 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 i think mainly between was it a uh, panama with uh, noriega
0: yeah, and uh, Nicaragua. Uh
1: huh. Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's it's this. Uh, I guess it, this. Uh, it's kind of a good thing we're talking about it because it, it does leads us to this greater discussion on like nostalgia and why is it that like everything that we're seeing nowadays has to remind us of something else
1: right i don't know because i feel like it's because what we've seen you know what television and social media has showed us over the past like few years it's like they only bother to show you like the good stuff the good stuff of what happened like i remember the uh, like the black mirror episode uh what's it called the really popular I think it's called a Santa Junipero Junipero, yeah yeah which which I love that's a great great episode but it takes place in this club you know during the 80s and everyone is just having a good time they could be whatever they want to be and I don't know maybe I don't know I'm just trying to trying to make sense of it all yeah I, no I, I i do want to ask like that question like are we evidently going to be going into a fahrenheit 451 kind of a universe
0: well um if betsy devos continues to run uh, american oh, education <laughs> uh, it's extremely likely Um, but i think the rest of the world is also heading into fairly dark territory i mean Viktor Orban just won re-election in Hungary, and he's oh, the guy Lord. that, like, says, like, Hungarians have to, like, I guess shoot refugees. That's, you might yeah. not have explicitly said that, but his party runs on the platform of, like, fuck refugees and fuck George Soros. Uh-huh. Which I don't even know who the fuck George Soros is or how he somehow controls all of, like, quote-unquote liberal or left-wing uh activism but i mean i would love to get some of your billions george <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i think i think
0: uh i think we need to get on his mailing list or something
1: i guess so yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah no, i mean no. i guess the see like a lot of people have written about nostalgia like um there's uh One of the good things about me watching this movie and reading the book is that it sent me on this like black hole of nostalgia studies, for lack of a better word, or or I guess consumption studies, because it does talk about consumer culture. But people like Gary Cross, who wrote a book, uh, Consume Nostalgia, Memory in the Age of Fast Capitalism, talking about how a lot of the mass culture that is produced is disposable or has like a planned obsolescence and even then we hearken back with it with fond memories and also people like pam cook who, t- who talked about uh memory and nostalgia in film or mm-hmm. um uh what's the other thing that i read um or svetlana Boym who t- who talks about this uh, nostalgia for the Soviet Union in post-Soviet states, and yeah, I mean that's a real phenomena because, like it or not, people did live under communism, and it, some people mm-hmm. probably had a decent life under communism. They, that's right, they probably you never know. had like apartments and shit, and they had a coal mining <laughs> job, and yeah, that's probably not the best <laughs> fucking job in the world, but. People in East Germany, in Eastern Germany, they still are economically worse off than people in Western Germany, despite reunification.
1: That's right.
0: So there's there's That's a right, term because... in in uh sorry I'll, I'll I'll let you go after this but like one last point like there's a term okay. in like uh, Russian studies and like Germanic studies when when they're talking about like the Warsaw Pact area or like the Soviet um, influence Eastern Germany, but like it's called Ostalgia and Ost is German Ostalgia. for East. And it's like this desire for Eastern Germans to like think back on East Germany, which to be fair, a lot of people did try to escape into Western Germany, but there's mm-hmm. like this sense of familiarity and comfort where at least for them, life made sense. As opposed to, you know, the situation where somehow the factories are closing, but the bosses are still making money or like they don't have any jobs, despite the fact that their children are highly educated. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the kind of phenomenon we're talking about.
1: Absolutely. But the thing about West Germany that was so appealing to most people back in the day was that for the most part, it was under American control during the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and a little bit of the early 80s. So, they were able to get access to all that America was offering at the time in terms of popular culture.
0: Yeah, we got all the cool things from uh, America. We have this uh, Mickey Mouse uh, rock and roll, you know.
1: <laughs> we have, uh, they brought over this one guy named uh, David Hasselhoff, who uh, is a very. Uh, very, very, good singer. He might have a bright career for himself. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, he's very popular oh. in, in in West <laughs> Germany. He's um, he's a he's an idol.
1: He's an idol. Uh, we all hope to grow up and uh, have that uh, glorious mullet that he had when he was on the 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 Night Rider. Was was that the show? The yeah, Knight yeah, Rider.
0: Yeah, The the Knecht richter as we say in German. <laughs> Also, was Hasselhoff in this movie? I feel like that's a giant oversight if it's not, if he's not. Wait,
1: wait. I don't think he was. I Damn. hope he wasn't. Hasselhoff he was, was in
0: a-, a SpongeBob movie, of all things.
1: I know. He was also in Guardians 2.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because because yeah, yeah. Cole never knew his dad, so he used to say to people, oh, yeah, my dad's David Hasselhoff.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess but- um, his dad's Kurt Russell, so that's...
1: It, which is fine, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: but no, he, he was not in Ready Player One. Thank God.
0: Damn.
1: That would. Oh my God! If he was in Ready Player One, I would have got up and walked out because it. it's like, at that point, you're like, you're not even trying.
0: Yeah. Okay, so i I will tell uh I will tell our lovely audience when exactly it was that I walked out of this fucking movie. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> So about approximately halfway through the movie, um, uh, uh, Percival and Artemis go on a date to uh, Planet Dance Club. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, just I guess it's like an entire planet of like, I don't know, the sex club from Blade Runner.
2: I, I guess yeah. and
0: um so uh they they were dancing to I forgot what it was it's like some 80s industrial shit and then um
2: oh oh
1: yeah that-
0: Percival like says to the DJ it's like oh like uh, pl- uh play play this song and it's uh and it's staying alive from Saturday night fever and yes then <laughs> Artemis said. Oh, oh, going old school. And at that point, my jaw dropped. I had my gym bag with me. I picked that up. I I said to the screen, this is stupid. And I walked out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You live in an entire universe where everything is the physical embodiment of old school. And you say that line?
0: it's it's like you weren't even fucking alive in the eight like you weren't even like you're no, a you, chi- you you're a there. child of like the children of people who were born in the eighties
1: yes like M- maybe not even that no but yeah. th- no if anything she was a child of people that were born in the early two thousands
0: yeah like she's a child of the children of the children who were kids in the eighties.
2: Uh Uh-huh, yeah
0: And like (laughs) They're they're dancing to 80s Like, you know, like club music And it's like, it's already fucking old school It's 60 years from the current date Like, and and they reference something Like 10 years older And it's just, really Like Yeah (laughs) Uh,
1: uh, When she said that line, I'm just like Oh boy Oh, we're getting into this. I'm surprised I didn't walk out either.
0: Yeah, it was just... I
1: I stood there. I stood there and watched that, and I let it fly right over my head, just like (laughs) that. It's like, okay, you're quoting from a movie that took place nearly 70 years before your time, and... Huh... Okay, and oh, and he has like the suit and everything. He has the, yeah, the freaking suit from Saturday Night Fever.
0: Yeah, and he's got the, he's got the dance going. It's just oh god,
1: it's like oh, mm. oh I never thought I'd actually say this, but I prefer Travolta dancing to that.
0: Yeah. Goddamn.
1: <laughs> that's, that's how far we've come people, I actually said I prefer Travolta to be doing something instead of watching the current film.
0: Yeah, that's also like, I don't know if people in our audience watch Mystery Science Theater 3000, but (laughs) one of the golden rules of cinema is to not remind the audience of a better movie while they're watching your movie. Yes, yes and uh, i think it was a blessing that i walked out before the infamous shining sequence otherwise i probably would have like popped a blood vessel or something
1: <laughs> um yeah yeah the shining sequence it's like okay you're you've painstakingly recreated the entire uh, overlook hotel like right down to uh, right down to the wallpaper. Um, yeah, uh, excuse me one second. Uh, I'm actually gonna go and watch that film instead. <laughs> but let me know when you let, let me know when you guys are done.
0: Yeah, because the thing is, uh, I guess the difference between someone who's like referencing and making fun of um, The Shining um and what this movie is doing which is inserting characters on top of it to me it it kind of feels like tourism
1: yeah it really is when you think of when you think about it
0: yeah it's like you know you and your character is someone that is out of place from this movie and you're like walking all over it, and like trying to like find the one thing that you need. Um, I'm just going off of the summary on Wikipedia because, yeah, I walk. Well, <laughs> I did not <laughs> see this in person. I just, yeah, it's just like what, like this sounds just like the worst kind of like tourism, where like someone conducts their own like shitty version of archaeology to get what they want and. Yeah, like, takes a dump on Kubrick.
1: <laughs> Kubrick is spinning around in his grave Yeah, right now. Uh, uh... Even, I'm pretty sure Jack Nicholson, if he saw the film, he'd just be like, he'd go back into his freezing pose again from the end of the film. Yeah. As if to say, oh, God, I'm so over this already. Why would they bother doing this shit again? <laughs>
0: Uh, shout out to Jack Nicholson now. He's just, I, I think he's just living his best life in L.A. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure eating, he is. Eating like all manner of disgusting food and going to Lakers games.
1: Yeah. He <laughs> can do whatever the hell he wants. He's Jack Nicholson. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wonder how he's feeling about the Lake show right about now.
1: Uh, I'll bet he's happy the season's over. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, oh God, I had to sit through this. I'm pretty sure he wasn't even there half the time. Yeah.
0: Man, I wish I could do a Nicholson impression, uh, impression. Of, but, um, I think I need to work my way into it. No, I can't just like switch it on. Like, uh, some of my other impressions.
1: No, you can't just, you know, you can't just, you'd have to watch, like, you know, you'd have to watch uh, Batman, you'd have to watch, uh, you to watch Chinatown.
0: Chinatown, you have to watch The Shining. Uh, One
1: flew over the cuckoo's
0: nest. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Man. God. So, like, you obviously watch this. Uh, what. What the I hell did. did it feel like watching this Shining sequence?
1: I couldn't count the amount of times I just rolled my eyes at everything. I'm just like, you know, oh, great. It's like Overlook Hotel, room 230, 237. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, of course, there's the one guy who hasn't seen the film, so he doesn't know what's going on. So he doesn't know about the giant pool of blood. He doesn't know about the uh, doesn't know about the two creepy girls. He doesn't know about the shower scene. All that's I kept saying to myself, "Where's the scene where uh, the guy in the bear costume gives hands?" Oh heads yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's oh god. It's like by the. <laughs> And, of course, it's part of the whole contest. It's part of the whole quest. Yeah. Um, And it's like, you know, oh, come on. Come on. Really? I mean, look, in the book, there's a sequence where in order to get past the first gate, you basically have to reenact the movie War Games. And you're thrown into the Matthew Broderick character character. And you basically have to be Matthew Broderick from War Games, and you do that later on as well by doing uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. And I think to myself as I re- as I was reading it, I'm thinking to myself, huh, I wonder how they're gonna do that, you know, on the screen. Well, now I, now I found now out. Now you know. <laughs> and it's su- it sucked.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it's like, see, this is also the reason why I don't fuck with Twitch is because, like, I I have no interest in other people experiencing things that I could also experience at the same time. Right. It's like, if I want to watch The Shining, I can pull it up on either Netflix or I'm sure I still have a DVD copy somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like, I don't know. it's it's a sequence that uh, I get that they're that's one of the key scenes in the book is that like they that Wade has to reenact a film. but the shining of all movies, really?
1: Yeah, it's like, no, that first off, that wasn't in the book too, really? The fucking Shining?
0: It's not even an 80s movie.
1: Actually, it is. 1980.
0: Yeah, but it's like, you know, not 80s in the way, like, War Games is. Right. It's, um, yeah. It is it is an 80s movie, and, like, that came out in 1980, but it's... When you, when you think of an 80s movie, I guess... Uh, You know, for better or worse, like John Hughes' stuff or uh, War Games or Back to the Future, which Back to the Future, you know, does some of the nostalgia stuff that um, Ready Player One is doing, but does it in a much better way.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And um, it eventually inspired Rick and Morty. So I guess for better That's or right. worse, that is also the legacy of the Back to the Future <laughs> films.
1: No, but, but Back to the Future was prescient enough where in the second movie where Marty goes to the future, yeah. where they both go to the future, he sits down in a place called Cafe 80s.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Even Zemeckis knew that this was going to be uh, a focal point of nostalgia in the future.
0: Yeah. Marty, you have to go into the Oasis, Marty.
1: (laughs) Marty, you have to go into the Oasis and find this. It's your kids, Marty. (laughs) They're they're retarded. (laughs) It's like, Marty, when this baby hits 88 miles an hour. You're going to see some serious shit.
0: This baby hits 88 miles per hour, and you're going to see Lara Croft from Toon Raider. You don't even know what that is, but it'll make sense in the future. (laughs) You're going to be dancing to Saturday Night Fever in the dance club, Planet Marty. (laughs) One point oh, twenty-one gigawatts gosh. to power my Bitcoin rig, Marty. That's what the future <laughs> is like.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say something about that, but I think it's beat yeah,
2: me to
1: the punch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
0: Shout out yeah. to Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. The I guess he's my favorite, like weird hair. Movie scientist.
1: He's the best movie scientist.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts. Of course, this is crap. It's Japanese. <laughs>
1: oh my god!
0: <laughs>
1: like, all right, tell me, future boy, who is the president in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, the actor. The actor. Ah! <laughs> It's like, I suppose Jane Wyman is the first lady. Oh, and Jack Benny is secretary of state.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, dude.
2: <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah, so um I guess at some point... Um, so does does wade do do his plan in the movie or or is that a different uh a different road happens
1: um no like he makes the uh he splits his fortune with the rest of uh with the rest of the creators uh and he decides to cancel oasis use for uh two on tuesdays and fridays so that everyone can go out and enjoy life more. Which is just an excuse for him to make out with his new girlfriend.
0: Yeah. So I guess, so, you know... Yeah, <laughs> go ahead.
1: No, it's just... Of course, everything was for his own benefit. Not anybody else's. Because yeah. the final scene literally ends with him making out with his girlfriend.
0: Yeah. I I eventually looked up like pictures of the the quote unquote real artemis from the movie and is uh
2: uh-huh
0: it, i mean to me she just looks like a hot girl like olivia yeah. cook plays artemis in the movie and it's like in the book she's she's like yeah she's pretty but like she's she's not you know hollywood pretty
1: right right she's uh like she's unconventionally beautiful yeah
0: and also like from the pictures that I found it's like doesn't look like her birthmark was anything.
1: No, it it really wasn't and they like bring it up maybe one time and they just like carefully like brush it aside. It's like, you know, oh, I look hideous. No, you look great. Okay.
0: <laughs> God damn.
1: Yeah. So see what I mean about little character development?
0: Yeah. So, obviously, the other um, reveal in the book is that uh, Wade's best friend is revealed to be a queer black woman, which, mm-hmm. I, which I also guess because just from the way that, like, she talked in that one um, scene, it's like, like, you don't even know who you're meeting with online. Like, it could be a woman or 300 or pounds. You know, and it's like... <laughs> Okay, absolutely. It like th- like H is going to be a, like e- either like a black nerd or like a black woman.
1: Uh-huh. And you knew that like right away.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just based on like that like dialogue. Yeah. Because like they're setting it up for something and like I was either figuring out like okay, maybe Artemis is like a dude in real life, but and then I, th- I thought about it after I walked out. I was like Actually, it, it would kind of make sense for like H to be the black woman.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, but they build it up so much better in the book that oh, you don't yeah. really know in, That you don't really know until like the final maybe seventy or eighty pages that you find out that H is actually a queer black woman.
0: Yeah, because because in the book there's a lot more between the relationship of uh, Wade and H because there there's a lot more interaction between them beyond you know i guess like all this weird ass like exposition speak in the film or um like the predate scene it's just like there's there's a real sense that like yeah h is uh per- like percival's friend and I guess like they've probably recent like decently know enough about each other, but then when like they would be like, "Oh, I never actually met H in person," then it's like, yeah, I guess that does bring up an interesting thing about like how you don't really know someone, uh, just, like just based on their online persona. But right. in the movie, it's kind of like telegraphed.
1: Yeah. Oh my God! Is it ever? It's like subtlety gets thrown out the window <laughs> in this. It's almost like you're, it's almost like they're saying to you, it's like, you know, like, hey, 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 y- you want to know who that actually is? Like, hey, 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 know what I mean? Know what I mean? Nudge, yeah. nudge, 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 say no more, <laughs> say no more. It's like a bad Monty Python skit.
0: It is. It's it's the excessive, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge that really, like, bothered me about the film. yeah it's like it's trying to say something but then it can't shut up long enough for like the audience to find out about it on its on their own so it's like it has to reflexively say something
1: right oh and another, another thing that pissed me off as well like they make the character of uh of irock a very uh, secondary uh, figure and voiced by uh, according to honest trailers the uh human personification of meh tj miller (laughs) and meanwhile meanwhile in the book he's only in one scene and he's like not really like this gigantic big you know muscle-bound bounty hunter he's just like a he's a poser that's what he really is who gets like brushed aside by the two main characters it's like you know like like, hey, you haven't got it yet like neither of you jackass fuck off
0: yeah um, but you don't
1: hear about him again,
0: yeah, that was like, I don't know. like having T j. Miller as some sort of bounty hunter was a really weird choice.
1: I guess they were trying to be ironic.
0: I guess it's uh, like, I don't know. There was like that scene where he was meeting with Ben Mendelssohn and it was just okay. Why is this I, character here?
1: I, I I was expecting him at some point because he does nothing to disguise his voice at all, like most uh, like most voice actors do, or if they're celebrities, they kind of disguise their voice mm. somewhat. But uh, no, it's like yeah, we like we know you're T.J. Miller, like no need to hide it, and everything. I expected him to start spouting dialogue from Deadpool.
0: Yeah. At
1: that moment, <laughs> it's like. I was expecting him to say, like, you know, like, wow, you look like a uh, Freddy Krueger face fuck the topographical map of Utah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, like, what's the deal with his avatar? It's like he's got, like, a skull body, and yeah.
1: Um, is that so, supposed got... to be
0: cool? Like, is that supposed to signal he's a villain? Is I...
1: Well... His avatar's name is I Rock and it's spelled I-R O K. So Oh hell yeah, man. I guess he's trying to be somewhat cool and he his character basically has no neck.
0: Yeah, that's that's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I think, uh, I think I'm going to challenge myself now and let's, let's move on to like, try to find some of the good things about the movie. And it is a challenge because it's a movie I fucking walked out on, but
1: I know (laughs) know,
0: I didn't like, I want to make this clear. Like I didn't hate the book. Like I thought it was a fine book. It's not something I obsess over, but you know, it's not bad. Right. Uh, so, like, at the base of it, there's something interesting here. It's just, like, the movie fails to execute it.
2: hmm
0: So, I do appreciate, like, this idea of an all-consuming online platform where pretty much everyone's entire life is about that and, like, nothing... It's it's gone to the point where people think the real world doesn't matter anymore. But right, I guess the lesson at the end of the film uh, is that like the the only thing that matters is the real world, and that's why like they're shutting down so uh, Wade can like make out with his girlfriend. But that's beside the point. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh,
0: <clears throat> but, yeah.
1: But yeah, I just I have to say you know for someone who's like completely obsessed with the trivia and obscure facts as as I am, you know, it's kind of a guilty pleasure, kind of a guilty pleasure for me seeing all this and seeing a character who spouts nonstop uh, pop culture references, something I tend to do on a regular basis, but would I go see the movie again? Probably not, but it's just it's nice to know that there was. I guess maybe like a moment or two where it felt like I could somewhat relate to this character.
0: Yeah. And I mean of course, like I guess that's the point where um the main character is basically uh I I mean, yeah, he's a teenager, but he's written in mind for the like man child Reddit crowd. Yeah. Where <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i yeah you might as well call this reddit the movie,
0: yeah, um I also like that, um it does paint like a realistic picture of pop culture as we know it and how it might continue, like like I said, like this all consuming platform where. Everyone spends all their time, and like nothing in the real world matters anymore because they're hooked up to this lotus eater machine, and like everything <laughs> from like you know education to um biological needs can be taken care of through the oasis um, right,
1: yeah, what wait a minute, did fairly odd parents do an episode <clears throat> kind of like this?
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It where is- like, go ahead. If, I don't know. I think it's like Timmy Turner. It's like Thruston. He's like the act. Like uh, he becomes like an action hero, or something. And he goes to school. He like puts on this uh, this like helmet thing, and he only goes to school for like five minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember that one. Also, what's surprising is they're still making new episodes of that show.
1: A fairly Odd Parents, really?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Hang on. What the? Why that? Wow, that song. I just said song. Wow.
0: <laughs> Timmy is an average kid The don't understand.
1: Right. Oh, they. Yeah, they're still making episodes. Um. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, but the creator just announced uh, earlier this year that he was leaving, so nobody really knows uh, if it's coming back or not.
0: Um, well, I guess uh, Nickelodeon is in need of a cash cow now that Dan Schneider has been uh, exposed uh, doing what he's doing
2: yeah
0: uh, yeah yeah. so I, I think they'll they'll more than likely hold on to fairly odd parents a bit more until they find something else to exploit.
1: right. Unfortunately, Nickelodeon doesn't have a adult swim like Cartoon Network does. Yeah.
0: What they do have, uh, I guess, parallel, is um, Nick Splat, or the Splat, which is oh, the, yeah, like the, nostalgia channel.
1: <laughs> That's right. And uh, guess who's in charge of all of that? Nick Cannon. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, but yes, if you go on Splat, uh, folks, uh, you'll see old episodes of All of That, Keaton and Kel, uh, Clarissa Explains It All. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: <laughs> Rugrats, of course.
1: Uh, Double Dare, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Hell yeah. <laughs> Where throughout its entire run, only 11 people, I think it's only 11 people, actually managed to win.
0: Yeah. And they always seem to, like, f- fuck up at the room of the Shrine of the Silver Monkey.
1: Yes, always. Always like what kid hasn't grown up yelling at the TV saying like, you know, that's not how you do it. Go back, go back.
0: Which is really weird because it's just a three piece puzzle.
1: I... <laughs> I know. Yeah, man.
0: Um, so <clears throat> I guess what I also um, like about the movie is that, the bad guy is someone that realistically is a bad guy you know it's a it's uh-huh. a corporation that is trying to monopolize and monetize a platform that is well in the book it's uh, enjoyed for a cost of one quarter but i uh-huh. I don't know if they address that in the film. I don't think so uh, but yeah like. The the quest is basically trying to stop this like you know it's basically trying to stop Jeff Bezos from monetizing the (laughs) Oasis and like filling the entire screen with ads,
1: (laughs) which I'm sure when Ernest Cline writes the sequel to the novel, I'm pretty sure they'll start doing that.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, like it, it, it it. so this is a more like out there interpretation of the movie, I guess. But um, I also like the fact that it, it showcases a, a future of sterility where yeah, people are, there hasn't really been anything new in so long that people are going back 60 years. Uh-huh. It's like to contrast this, like think of a movie like Children of Men, where it's also a dystopian future of sterility literally but also culturally because there's a pervading sense of hopelessness where it's kind of like held back just through like the warm and fuzzy feelings of you recognizing things from the past yeah so like you know it's um i guess what i'm trying to say is that like this like, Ready Player One, the dystopian universe that it's set in, it is like a frightening, um, dark, reflective surface, if you will, of current society. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like another show about a dark, reflective surface that, you know... Well, what if apps uh, were, were bad?
1: <laughs> what if apps were bad?
0: What if what if your dating app also showed your dick size?
1: Oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what,
0: what if your roomba was evil, mate? <laughs> that is basically like the plot of that one Black Mirror episode, right? With the robot dogs.
1: I think, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what
0: if bees were robots and evil?
1: What what if these were robots and evil? Um, what if? Uh...
0: What if you can get Donald Gleason delivered to your house?
1: Oh, that that's right. I remember that episode. <laughs> well, if you can get Donald Gleason delivered to your house, but. Devoid of any personality or charisma.
0: So, Donald Gleason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. What would happen when, if you started watching the news, you could go into and type in your own headlines? <laughs>
0: What if David Cameron had to fuck a pig?
1: Oh, are you saying David Cameron didn't fuck the pig? Uh,
0: David Cameron today revealed he he inserted a private part of his anatomy into a pig. That was like, (laughs) I think Charlie Booker wrote that episode before all that shit came out, but it was just...
1: He did? Yes. (laughs) He did, but but he fucking knew... He knew. Yeah, It's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to write an episode. I have no idea what he sounds like, by the way. Yeah. I'm going to write an episode where the uh, the prime minister of the UK, um, he's given 24 hours to have sex with this pig. If he doesn't do it, this innocent girl's going to die.
0: Yeah. Although I think when David Cameron did it, it was like some weird-ass, like, vaguely, ritual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, just was... don't join secret societies, people. <laughs>
1: no, like, uh, don't join, uh, um, like the, like the masons or skull and bones or just
0: the elks,
1: <laughs> the elks, <laughs> um, Knights of Pythias. Is that the thing?
0: Maybe. What about Knights of Columbus?
1: Knights of Columbus, yeah,
0: um. What is the Knights of Columbus? Is that is that Italian American?
1: Uh hang on. I'm looking this up. Knights of Columbus. No, it's a Catholic organization. Okay.
0: So it's uh it's not like La Cosa Nostra.
1: It is not like La Cosa Nostra.
0: It's, um, yeah. It's also not like the secret society of like Italian men from Long Island that smoke cigars in the back porch and, you know, p- uh, eat some brajol. Eat or,
1: some uh, and drinking Yeah. In
0: the
1: back. No, you're, you're thinking of something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that's, uh, I'm glad I got that cleared up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you always thought Knights of Columbus represented an Italian organization?
0: I don't Well, because, like, I guess, you know, the history of Columbus Day is, like, they were looking for an Italian-American figure, and I guess right. he's, like, Genoese or Venetian, so, like, that counts.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> Columbus Day isn't really that necessary. If you really want to celebrate Columbus Day, I guess the only place to do it is... Um, either in the Dominican Republic or in Haiti yeah.
0: where
1: he, where he, what he actually discovered. Yeah. I pretty much exhausted what I, what I thought was good of it anyway, how I consider it kind of a guilty pleasure because I'm obsessed with trivia and all that. Yeah. Um, eh, I'll admit it was cool seeing the DeLorean back in the back on the big screen again. And I did like the fact that they didn't pay like you know too much attention to it. It's like you know, there isn't a scene where he said like you know, look like that's my car, the motherfucking Delorean.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the tra- the detractors of the novel were <laughs> that there that, that was the one passage specifically that they highlighted was uh, where he was like <laughs> jerking himself off about the Delorean. Oh
1: yes. Yes, eighty-eight miles an hour, one point twenty one gigawatts.
0: Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, I got I got Ecto one as a license plate instead.
1: And it's, like, <laughs>
0: oh, it's cool. It's like, yeah, that's kind of uh that's Gag. kind of insufferable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we already got enough uh Ecto one this past year, uh, anyways.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I guess uh one of the things that's uh not really about the movie, but just, like, the, the trailers that are uh, attached to the movie. Um, so when I watched it, the trailer that I distinctly remember, and it was also because it made me mad, was uh, Rampage.
1: Oh, my God. Why? What? Why is that even... Why is that even a movie?
0: Yeah, I think we we really come to the point where we're scraping the bottom of the nostalgia barrel
1: we really are it's gonna to get to the point where we see pac-Man the movie
0: yeah um I guess pixels was that right
1: oh God no <laughs> I, yeah uh, I like to forget I like to forget that movie ever happened yeah
0: well um as far as like nostalgia bay goes i will say ready player one on one level is much better than pixels
1: i think anything well maybe not anything
0: i think a lot of things though yeah
1: a lot of things yes (laughs) (laughs) but you're right ready player one is definitely a lot better than uh pixels or pretty much anything adam sandler's made in the last 10 years
0: yeah Yeah, I think it's a solid decade at this point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think so, yeah. Um, Yeah, Wait. what what came out? Oh, yeah, because You Don't Mess With the Zohead came out in 2008, so... Oh, God. Look, I liked it. I (laughs) happen to like it.
0: Oh, man. Are
1: there there moments in that film that don't make any sense? Yes. Is it very problematic seeing... uh, uh, Rob Schneider dressed as a Palestinian terrorist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there are okay. some funny moments, don't get me wrong.
0: Yeah. Um, and just. Go ahead. And I
1: just want to say we don't put hummus on everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well um, yeah, it's like who the fuck is asking for a rampage movie um why are we adapting a video game about giant monsters smashing buildings and
1: and trying I, to put a story around yeah. it yeah
0: and I guess this is uh, like another installment in like, the rock's loose trilogy based on him getting lost in the jungle or something.
1: So wait hold on. we got we
0: there was a, Jer- the run the run down or the runaway. The run
1: down, yeah. Yeah. There was Journey Two.
0: Yeah. Mysterious Island. There was um <laughs> there's Jumanji.
1: Jumanji and now this. Oh yeah, now this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what his his quest really is, but I don't know. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish here. Rampage just came out today, and it currently has a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. That's...
0: More than I thought it would get.
1: According to Polygon, it says "Rampage the movie, it's actually good."
0: <laughs>
1: is it though? Uh, is it though? Um, hang on, wait. Let me see what the uh, the official response says. Um, yeah, according to Rotten Tomatoes, Rampage isn't as fun as its source material but the movie sheer button mashing abandoned might satisfy audiences in the mood for a brainless blockbuster.
0: But like, uh, uh, where do you button mash when you watch a movie?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We're probably going to get to the point sometime in the future where movies and video games just kind of blend together and you're going to go into a movie theater. They're just going to hand you a controller.
0: Yeah, I guess. Um, Man, that's a, that's a dark-ass future for me. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was the only trailer that I particularly remember. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. So I guess, in the end, um, what, what are your final thoughts on Ready Player One? Mm-hmm. And, I guess, nostalgia in general?
1: Nostalgia. I say... I say keep nostalgia where it belongs in the past. And it might be nice to bring it up again every once in a while. But for now, let's just focus on the now and what we have to deal with right now. On the other hand, it does represent a present that we're kind of currently living in with more than 90% of the world tuned into social media on a regular basis. So it's a terrible film, don't get me wrong. And it's not like I'm going to be encouraging people to go see this anytime soon, but I don't know. Maybe it's a, a microcosm of things to come, or maybe it's a, a vain attempt by a director to grab one more chance at a, at another blockbuster.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess my final thoughts would be, is that like, I don't know what it is about, um, dystopian movies recently. Um, but there's kind of like this sense that, um, that like the future is kind of like sterile. There's like, w- like it seems that there's going to be like life continuing to exist, but e- everything that matters has already been invented in the past, which is a very, um, it's a very anti, um it's a very negative way to view like the future. And I guess, yes, that's a point of dystopias, but at usually like there's a sense that there's gonna be a solution coming or like there's there's a lesson that can be learned so that we can avoid the future. And mm-hmm. yet at the end of Ready Player One, There's no like dismantling of Oasis, which has consumed so much of people's lives. It's just that now the controls are handed literally to like the average Joe. And it's like there's no telling where uh, this is going to head because like we don't really get a sense of what wade is gonna do because like really even artemis at some point says like wow you really you really don't have like a sense of like what you're gonna do with this thing like you're gonna you're gonna buy like a nice car like a nice house but it's just like yeah there's no material outcome of like wade winning the game it seems like Mm -hmm. and yeah i guess for me i i I appreciate nostalgia um and i think we all like things that reminds us of better times or gives us like fond memories and i i mean like you know i'm not a hundred percent against nostalgia but i do feel like pop culture now is just inundated with things that are targeted to like send this rush of like longing and nostalgia. And there's, there's very little things that, you know, excite us or like spark our imagination anymore because, you know, ready player one references all these great movies, all these great games that we remember because objectively these uh, products of entertainment were entertaining to us and whether that might be because they're good or because they're bad but they still they still have some entertainment value but mm-hmm. I don't think anyone 10 20 years down the line will look at Ready Player One the same way it looked at any of the movies that it referenced any of the games that it referenced because exactly nothing about it is memorable. Nothing about it brings anything new to the table. It adopts this, like, skeleton of pop culture references and executes it in a movie that is incredibly, like, shittily put together. And I just can't understand how this was the same Steven Spielberg that brought us the very same movies that we all look fondly on.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. No, unfortunately, what's going to happen to Ready Player One is it's going to become a footnote. It's going to say, we're going to say like 20 years from now, it's like, oh, remember that film that came out in 2018 that uh, had everything to do with uh, nostalgia and talked only about the 80s?
0: And then I guess the other person would say, which one?
1: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs>
0: Uh, (laughs) i guess you know to uh contrast uh ready player one with a movie i (laughs) i saw in the same time uh pacific rim and i uh i don't really want to do a full review because i feel like pacific rim 2 was um, it's a movie that confused me because it didn't really need to be made but i found it enjoyable anyway because it's kind of like yeah, I guess it's like it's dumb, but it knows it's dumb, and like, at least John Boyega is entertaining. Mm-hmm. But it's like Pacific Rim also kind of like harkens back to kind of the, the the fans of you know giant robot and giant monster movies from Japan. But right, it's it's saying something else about it. You know, it's. Of course, like okay, maybe like putting them together in a movie is not the most original, but it's <laughs> you know it's it's trying to do its own thing while taking cues from the past, which is really mm-hmm. like the most you can expect out of people, right? We're all influenced by the things that we've read, but that we've watched, that we've played, so it's impossible to come up with like something that is sui generis unless. Well, I guess unless you're fucking James Joyce and like you're insane (laughs) and wrote Finnegan's Wake. But yeah, it's like there's a difference between taking the cues from the past and doing something with it and just relying on the past to uh, build a foundation on. And it's right. And it's really like we've seen this it's... with Ready Player One. And like, I mean, I would also like argue, like, w- one of Stranger Things, Stranger Things is weaknesses is that it's not breaking out of the mold enough out of like the 1980s movies that it so obviously loves.
1: Right. Right. But what, when are we going to get to the point where we're going to have to we're going to have to cut the cord when we aren't going to have to rely on nostalgia to be able to build a foundation. When are we going to rely on our own, uh, ideas?
0: Yeah. And I mean, in the future of ready player one, there's no answer, you know, <sighs> it's like nothing happened between, um, the early, like, b- nothing happened between, like, when Oasis first came out in 2025 and 2045, culturally. It's just, everything has become a pastish Like, everything is just the reference of a reference. And it's like, um I guess if I, I want to quote, like, one of my favorite philosophers, uh, Jean Baudrillard, he's a French guy, he's very... He has a very annoying writing style where like he has to show off how smart he is, but I guess that's what being French is. But um the, he talks about a concept called the simulacrum and mm-hmm. it's a thing which is an imitation of something that doesn't quite exist. Like I mean, one example huh. is that um, and he probably would get very upset that I'm using this as a concept as a simulacrum, but pumpkin spice is referencing oh pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. And yet nothing about pumpkin spice actually has pumpkins in it. What is actually imitating is the taste of pumpkin pie like the 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 spice mixture Mm -hmm. not the actual pumpkin pie itself so it is an imitation without an original and ready player one is that kind of like extremely derivative film where it relies on something else to give you the positive feelings
1: Uh uh-huh It's interesting that you mentioned that, like the simulacrum theory. there's a song, like there's a song that I uh, I think of from time to time that kind of fits that mold. It's uh, what a fool believes by uh, the Doobie Brothers. It's about a guy who tries uh, to convince this uh, this girl who's kind of a friend to be in a relationship uh, with him even though they've had uh, no such uh, connection at all.
0: yeah yeah that's a, that's, like, a, that's also it yeah yeah this kind of like i don't know like i guess the concept that like ready player one really is uh handling is this borrowed nostalgia it's like this nostalgia for something that you didn't really experience but right. someone said that this was nostalgia and you're experiencing it and you're getting uh-huh. these like emotions
1: uh huh. Yeah, but is it really your nostalgia or is it the nostalgia that most of these companies are actually physically selling back to you?
0: Right, right. And that, I think, is a much more poignant lesson than Ready Player One is like trying to handle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think if Ernest Klein. Uh, he's writing the sequel right now to the book. Um, mm-hmm. I hope he does addresses some of like the nostalgia thing because like Ready Player One, the book, it's fine. It's a celebration of nostalgia, but mm-hmm. I hope he does address like how nostalgia is being used now and what happens if that trend continues.
1: Right. Right. No, I. I hope you're right. I hope he goes deeper into the higher purpose of what the Oasis entails yeah
0: because you know like it it's implied that like basically the the, the money in Oasis has overtaken every other form of currency uh-huh. like th- how does the economy work um, you know like basically everyone's yeah. job is online so that's a that's a cool thing to address right?
1: Yeah, and most of the product placement comes from the Oasis. It's like, "Here, try this new uh Hazmat suit." Right. Only like exclusively for the Oasis, try this new uh, energy drink that you can only buy in the Oasis. Try this new uh, this new game that you can only experience in the Oasis. Yeah. It seems like everything outside of the Oasis is like an idiocracy type future.
0: Yeah. And I think the book does mention it a little bit where um, it's it's stated that Columbus is the fastest growing city in the world, partially Mm -hmm. because that's where Gregarious Games is, but also because I'm sure there's all kinds of nightmare scenarios going on on both coasts at this point in time. Because Wade kind of like glosses over like a bunch of wars happening, a bunch of like ecological and economic disasters happening in the real world. And yeah, yeah, that's why everyone's strapped in into this, uh, matrix. Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah, I'm going to be very curious to see how he addresses everything.
0: Yeah. And I hope he does. Um, you know, like I, I support writers, uh, people who, write a damn book uh that's not some like fucking uh puff piece about silicon valley millionaires or um being sad in uh silver lake or brooklyn yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: but yeah man um i think uh from this point on uh I want to see, like, science fiction that imagines a better world. I want to see, like, you know, movies that, that, um I don't know, like, makes, you know, makes me feel hopeful because, like, I mean, superhero movies are fun and all, but it's just, like, it takes place in an alternate now where superheroes exist and, like, doesn't really offer us answers for, uh, you know, things happening in the real world. And I guess maybe, you know, I'm, I'm expecting too much for movies to, like, um, <laughs> give us answers. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, I want to see something else besides idiotic blockbusters. I want to see something else besides fun superhero movies that are just – yeah, this is a good popcorn flick. I like the story. I like the conflict, but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, me too. No, me too. We'll uh we'll see what happens.
0: We'll see what happens. Um I think next week uh I want to talk about uh A Quiet Place. Yeah. And um Yeah, I guess now, um, horror movies are really stepping out of the box and, um, really trying to experiment with both the genre and what they can say in the genre. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it'll be an interesting conversation. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I guess if we have nothing else to say, um, thank you for listening to another episode of questions like this. Um. Ready Player One, I'm more like Ready Player Done.
1: <laughs> How long were you waiting to say that?
0: Uh, two hours, I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, you've been listening to uh, us rant about Ready Player One and to a larger extent, uh, nostalgia itself.
0: Yeah. Um,. Yeah, um, I don't think I have anything else to add.
1: No, I'm all good as well.
0: All right, well, uh, see you all next time. Uh, My name is Aristo. And I'm Alex. And, yeah.
1: (laughs) Take care, everyone.
0: Bye.